Listen, this is TFG Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash, an off-the-cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Hello, everybody. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. This is TFG Unbuttoned, our Tuesday podcast from the Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Be sure to join us here every Tuesday. Go to focusgroupradio.com, where all of our media is housed. And uh, be sure to catch our podcast as well as our show, which is the Focus Group, which is released each Wednesday. How are you, Mr. Nash? I'm doing good. We're dealing with some stuff um, at the house. We had a, uh, I don't know if I told you this on a previous uh, show, but we have our friends, uh, Heather and Donald, who happen to work for a, um, a nursery company. And, and I've done cycling with Heather for years. And, and we know these guys really well. And her husband, Donald, one day had come over to the house to do some kind of yard work, like this big vacuuming up of the hickory nuts or something like fall cleanup, right? Right. So I said to him, hey, Doe, how do you know if you have grubs? And he goes, go to your kitchen window and look outside. <laughs> So grubs? we have these grubs. We have these bare patches of the lawn where these things, the grubs will eat the roots of the grass and then other small animals come along and then dig up the grubs. And so you get these bare patches. And so he just said, here's what you got to do. You got to seed, overseed, and then put down this grub stuff. And then and yet there's timing for this because there's when there's the larva and then when there's hatched. And he said, and you should be fine. You should be able to kill them and then the grass will come back. Well, we spread seed. I don't know. In my imagination, I thought the seed would sprout within days. It's still sitting there and the birds are pecking (laughs) at it. So we may need to have an alternate grub strategy. But, you know, it's not one of those do or die things. It's kind of like, well, we'll fix this when it happens. How'd you you diagnose you might have grubs? It was a section of the lawn that was the nicest, one of the nicest sections of grass. It's under a locust tree and it was always very thick and green and, and never burned out, never went brown. And then suddenly these mass, like, I thought it was something to do with the, the, the winter, like, like, cause suddenly mud was, it was, it was just dirty and it was like, it was suddenly got bald and more bald. And then there was less grass. And I thought maybe there was a, maybe it was the freezing and, and now it's grubs. <laughs> Jeez. There's some, I'm, I'm down in PA and there's some horrible weed that comes up this time of year that no one seems to be able to get rid of. They seem to have traced it to people go get this free mulch at the, mm-hmm. at the town. And somebody must have put some evasive weed in there. Well, it's t- attacked the whole town. And uh, some people have been going into the nursery, and they can't seem to figure out how to kill it. And uh, so this weed has really taken over the whole town. And people, people are in there bringing in a piece of this thing. Identify this now. Yeah, well, every, and they, know, they said, oh, you must have got mulch from the town. They're like, yeah. And um, nobody can figure out what it is. They, they think it's some sort of Chinese root. Of course, they're blaming the Chinese like everything else. And... Uh, and they can't kill it, so it do, it comes up this time of year, and then it kind of dies off. But it really is evasive, and it's horrible. And I've tried pulling it up. I've tried. It almost looks like a mint leaf or something, or a modified pot leaf. And then it kind of dies, but it is really crazy. And uh, we can't get rid of it, and they can't find anything to kill it, and nothing will eat it. So, so the town mulch pile kind of proves. One thing that we all know, we all learn very early in life, we keep learning it over and over, <laughs> nothing in life is free, right? 
<laughs> Nothing is free, and the worst part is the wind blows and it's ruining everyone else's yard. <laughs> and the woman behind me had planted planted bamboo, which is coming into my yard too, which is driving me crazy. I mean, this is you know, it's it's, it's uh... this this sounds awfully familiar. Um, we have this little area in front of our guest house where Bob put a bunch of different uh, wildflowers and plants, and there's so many weeds in there. It's just, and he just he's drilled down and he figured out that a couple of years ago when we had the patio done, the top soil they used must have been just littered with with weed seed there or you something go. like that. So it's going to be all ripped up and there's going to be fresh topsoil put down. I maintain that when you live in an agrarian area, like, you know, a lot of farming is done around us, things just blow around. Yeah. Things blow around. Birds move things around. Big birds, yeah. Right. Cows, cows poop the seed and things plant plant all over. It's, mm-hmm. What do they call that? Yeah. Reincarnation, John. <laughs> I don't want to come back as that nasty town mulch weed. No. So hey, we've got uh, we've got three stories today on our on our podcast as we always do. TFG Unbutton. The first one, this story, I had seen this a few weeks ago, and it, for whatever reason, it, it's an odd story, and I'm curious to see what your feeling is of it. It keeps popping up in different places, and I don't know why. Uh-huh, no pun intended when you hear the story, but it keeps coming up, and and they still haven't got down to the, uh, I guess, the nitty gritty of it. But the headline is Southwest Pilot accused of mid-flight cockpit exposure. So it says the skies are no longer friendly for one grounded pilot who faces federal charges for sharing an in-person dick pic. So apparently the federal prosecutors are are claiming that a former pilot for Southwest Airlines gave a new meaning to uh, and purpose to a passenger plane's cockpit on a recent flight from Philadelphia to Orlando. So it wasn't so recent. Apparently last summer, the uh, pilot's name was Michael, I think it's Hake, H-A-A-K. I don't know how yeah, you would say I, that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. So he's a pilot for Southwest Airlines. I've looked him up. He's uh, You can find him on the Google Images. And uh, so he was in charge of the Southwest Flight 6607 going from Philly down to, uh, down to Orlando. And apparently, he exposed himself all the way, uh, all the way um, through the flight. They don't, they don't say who he exposed himself to. He exposed his genitals, they said, in the cockpit. I mean, now, if I was his counsel, general counsel, I would say, well, it was the cockpit after all, right? But um, <laughs> they says he exposed himself uh, all, you know, throughout the flight. It doesn't say who he exposed himself to or why. And uh, so that was all unclear, but they're investigating it. He no longer works for the airline. And, of course, the Southwest... Uh, HR group says, or, you know, the uh, Southwest uh, um, organization takes it very seriously and, and harassment and sexual harassment. And they're checking out all the accusations and the alleged inappropriate conduct and behavior. But I can't I, I you read the story and it's in it's in a number of different locations all throughout uh, on the Internet when you check it. But no one no one can see what happened or who he exposed himself to or why. Yeah, so it's it's kind of this weird. It's not kind of. It is extremely weird because he had already left the airline right many months before. Then this allegations made. He's no longer an employee though, but they take it very seriously. And and our culture is built upon treating others with mutual respect. And the events alleged in this situation are incon. But uh, the events alleged in the situation, as I just read from their press statement, is that we don't really know what the events are, right? Because Something, something happened in the cockpit. It might have involved it. Well, definitely involved his genitals, but and it might have involved an iPhone or maybe another pilot. Right. <laughs> but there's really beyond. I was just I was stumped by the end of the article. I thought 
did someone get paid to write this and they got paid by the word? You know, Charles Dickens used to get paid by the right. word. That's why that's why things like, you know, Christmas Carol and, you know, uh, Nicholas Nickleby, they're so long because he got paid by the word. I mean, <laughs> did someone place a story and say, let's see who posts it and let's see who prints it? Because, you know, let's ha ha ha. You and I did that once to the local paper, the local rag, your mother. They'll never print that. And sure They'll enough, never print that. Yeah. So, and, so here's here's my thing. Um, I keep coming back to the fact that this happened. Of course, while he this allegedly happened while the pilot was a employee of Southwest Airlines, he had left the company for greener pastures, who knows what. Um, and um, then the allegation came up and they're investigating it. But this just seems like a train that doesn't want to leave the station. You know, it's right. like, OK, everybody on board. We're going to. Uh, well, he left a while ago. And what's the real thing? And does anybody really know what happened? <laughs> well, it doesn't say who he harassed or who he supposedly mm-hmm. harassed. It says it was a public area, but it was in the cockpit. That's not really a public area. I don't know. It just it doesn't say whether it was another employee he did it to. I would assume it was if he was in the cockpit. But, yeah, you're right. There was just too many unknowns and just um, too much of a fuzzy story that I'm just shocked that, A, it was picked up by so many different outlets, and B, that there was never any real ending to it. I don't know. No. And and there is going to be an ending to this, though. At some point, he may have to hire an attorney to either shut down the Southwest thing, or they're going to have to hire someone to do um, reputation management. Right. So this is now all, if, if you if you search his name, the picture comes up, the article comes up. This is one of those things that could haunt you for years right. in the job market. And the weird thing, as we keep saying, is we're not really sure what happened. I mean, something happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it happened before he, after, before he left the company. And it's just, it's a mess. And yeah. I'm not sure. It, maybe it's, yeah, enough said. So stay tuned. Another story, we posted this to our Facebook page, which is uh, the Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash, or Focus Group Radio. We have two Facebook pages. One's a group, one's a page. The uh, The story is Kellogg's is launching LGBT-themed cereal, so you can start your day with Maximum Gay. And I read this, and I thought, well, don't we already have Lucky Charms? But they're that's done by General Mills, I guess. The um, yeah, Well, and you took the steam out of my thing, because I was just like, why can't you just put a sticker on Fruit Loops? <laughs> oh, well, they're, they're Fruit Loops. There's another one. I mean, think <laughs> of that. That's even better than Lucky Charms. <laughs> so Kellogg's is launching this limited edition LGBT-themed uh, LGBT cereal in celebration of Pride. And they've teamed up with Glad to create this cereal called Together with Pride, and it's got rainbow-shaped pieces. An edible glitter, which just sounds horrible. Um, the boxes will hit shelves this May, just in time for Pride. And for each box or each one sold, Kellogg's will donate $3 to GLAD to support their efforts to accelerate LGBT plus rights. It's a uh, 7.8 ounce box. And here's my beef with this. Um, do you want me to tell you my beef before? Mm-hmm. You have any- Go ahead. So my beef with this is this. So the the box has a suggested retail price of $4, and the shoppers must upload a copy of the receipt to Kellogg's Family Rewards to support the donation. So my beef with this is don't make the consumer work for the donation for GLAD. Kellogg's knows how many units it sold. They know how many they sent out. to Just make the donation based on how many units are sold. They know how many are sold and what was returned. Most people are not going to upload their receipt to to make the $4 donation to GLAD. A lot of people do e-receipts or they're doing it through, you know, a lot of people are getting getting their groceries delivered through other um, other services now. 
So I think this sets up the promotion for failure or at least a tepid response. So I like the idea of raising money for GLAAD, but I think making the consumer work for the donation, I think more people than not that would buy this cereal aren't going to do the upload for the $4 donation. That's one of my that's my com- my complete takeaway here. They did this back in 2019 as well. Um, Glad partnered with Kellogg's and they called it Altogether Cereal. You could only buy it online at that time. It was $19.99 a box. That promotion, in my opinion, if you wanted to track it, was probably the more accurate one because you had to get it online. This, I when I got to the bottom, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't even I don't even know where the receipt is. It, I went grocery shopping on Saturday, and I think that thing was in the garbage by the time the bags were emptied. And unless you purposely, as you just said, you know, said, oh, I better remember to <laughs> to photograph it, upload it. There's too many steps, and I. Uh, there's got to be a reason why they did this, though. And this is one of those things where if uh, we were wearing our corporate hats or our agency hats, we would say that someone internal to either probably Kellogg's, I'm guessing, said, could we at least figure out what the interest level is? Or, you know, and then someone on the agency side or on the promotion side probably said, you know, it's going to be such a pain for the consumer to do this, that if you get 20 people uploading a receipt, that's a that's a win. But, you know, I don't know how the data that they get out of this does anything, right? I mean, you're, you're right about the fact that if they ship X number of boxes, if stores report all were sold, then you sold them, right? Right. If I, if I shipped out 30,000 boxes and they all sold, then I'm going to do a $120,000 donation to GLAAD. But if, if, if my math was right. But if, if otherwise, you're exactly right. The receipt gets thrown away. You forget about it. You don't do it. How many times have, have we all done that where you, you buy paint at Home Depot or something, you get a $2, $2 rebate. Well, by the time you figure out all that, is it worth the two bucks for me to go through all the machinations for me to send it in? And then they're going to send you back something eight weeks later that you totally forgot about and you throw it away when it comes in the mail because you think mm-hmm. it's a, a solicitation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering whether Glad, Glad, and or Kellogg, and my guess in this in this case it's Kellogg thinks, oh, let's get a list of people, or let's collect names, or let's do something for other promotions. But I just think it, it's going to set up a, a tepid response, and or just um, it, it sets it up for failure. I don't know. I having done many many of these sort of things over the years. When you have to make the consumer work for this sort of stuff, it never works. You and I ran into this many times when we would want to do stuff with with brands and they're like, well, let's use a special code or how many brands wanted to do, let's do a special, you know, dot, 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 gay. Well, if I'm yeah, going to look yeah. for something, I'm just going to type in the brand name. I don't want to go to dot gay. I don't want to go to dot whatever. I'm just going to type in ABC and I'll look for it, but I'm not going to necessarily go to a specific website sometimes and, and go look for something. Well, I used to um, have regular get-togethers with the head of one of the guys that did the marketing for the LGBT side of Expedia, and I think I told you the story one day he said to me over lunch, the data that they had was that people would go to the specific site, the LGBT portion of Expedia, and they would look at the deals and the flights, but then they would leave the special site and go to Expedia.com and just book their travel normally. Right. Which he said, we don't understand the behavior per se, but you know, the only insight we have is that everybody at the end of the day wants to be a normal consumer. And they would look at the specials and get their thing and, and call it a day from there. Right. Yeah. Well, so, you know, th- thank you, Kellogg's, but, you know, we're, we're wondering what the issue is. And uh, 
with with uh, making the people work for the donation, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> True. This, this final one is a is a quick one, and and, and John had mentioned that he he might have uh, might have seen this at a at another time, but it comes from Mark Cuban, and it's advice he said he received at 22 years old from a mentor that he still uses today. And uh, we teased the uh, opening of the podcast today with the word listen. And uh, Mark Cuban said he was told at a very young age that uh, rather than talking all the time and rather than being somebody that I guess would come across as a know-it-all, that a mentor told him that it was important for him to go into meetings and listen more so than talk all the time or think he knew everything, I guess is the, the Cliff Notes version, that he should go in and he should listen. And so he says every time he goes into to a meeting, even to this day, he, the first thing he does when he gets into a meeting on a notepad is he writes the word listen. And he sits there and he listens, and then he participates in the meeting. He said, even 40 years later, I still do that when I come into a room. And he believes that's a key to his success, as he learns more from listening than he would from uh, just going in and pontificating. What do you think of that? Well, I, when I read this, I kind of smiled because I had a, I think it was, I want to say it was third or fourth grade. Um, I had a teacher in, and when I was growing up named Sally McHale and she was this wonderful woman. I just loved her and she used to collect butterflies and bring that stuff in to show everybody. But she used to make us, she used to always tell us kids, you know, when we, when a lesson would begin or when something had to happen, it was always, remember to say this word. It wasn't about writing it down. I mean, that I think that that was also talked about, but it was remember to tell yourself to listen. It's kind of like when someone says when you're doing public speaking, you get up to the microphone, take a deep breath, and then let it out, and then speak, and you'll be fine. This is one of those things where it's just remember to listen. So this was like, I thought this was great old wisdom that was getting, you know, regurgitated or updated via Mark right. Cuban. <laughs> but I have heard this before, and I heard it from a in a different format from an, uh, from an old teacher that I never forgot. I don't know if I'm good at it. Um, I don't know that I do it all the time, but um, I certainly try to remind myself to listen. And in our career... This is something you have to do, right? I mean, you probably even more than me, because <laughs> I'm paid to talk, or at least in the advertising world. But um, this is always an important thing because you you only learn when you listen, right? Yeah, and and it's, it's always a technique too of of uh, even with interviewing or negotiating is to just listen, or you say what you're going to say, and then just keep quiet. And because uh, sometimes and silence makes people uncomfortable. And, yes, um, it does. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it's uh, so it's it's a hard thing to do. People think it's easy, but it's a hard thing to do. Hard thing to master. So there you go. I think it's all. I think we've heard it before, but it's good to repeat it. And uh, and it's also good to say we want to thank you for joining us today here on uh, TFG Unbutton and remind you that Critics Choice Video, America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987, has been a partner of ours here since the start. And you can visit their site by going to rsfocusgroupradio.com. And when you're there, you'll also see all our media and all about uh, Tim and myself. And remind you as well that The Focus Group, our uh, hour-long show, is available on Wednesdays from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube Live and on Facebook Live. And, uh, of course, thanks for subscribing, liking, rate, liking, and rating us and for spending time with us today. And we will see you in the new week. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com.